say, well, how many words are there in the English language? Which has been really hard to track, but with computers, it's made it possible. So two, two different organizations both track how many words are in the English language, and they come up with about 1,022,000 words in the English language. That's a lot of words. Shakespeare, in his writings, was one of the he's prolific, but he, he used um, a lot of words. In fact, he had writings where he would use one word, a, a new word, only in his writings. He used 31,534 different words in his writings. If you want a, a bigger vocabulary, read Shakespeare. You may a wonderful amount of words in there, new words. I love talking with Pastor Floyd. He, is, he, he has words that I've never heard before. And I don't know if he knows the definition of them or not, but he knows how to pronounce them. <laughs> Knowing how many words the average American or average English speaker is really hard to do, but some people have gone after it and tried to figure it out. And, and one group said that there's about the average educated English-speaking person has about a vocabulary of 50,000 words. So that's an averagely educated uh, English speaker, which means there's 972,000 words that they don't know. <laughs> 50,000 words. Um, there's been statistics on an average day that, and this is being, this is, Pastor Jeff, for, for us, this is being challenged now greatly. It used to say that women spoke 20,000 words a day and men somewhere between 7 and 13 on average. Some say 7, some say 10. Um, now the, a new study has come out where they actually, because of technology, they got a whole bunch of uh, men and women to wear um, voice-activated recorders and followed them for a couple of months. And they found out that the difference is less than 1% of how many words men speak compared to women. Is that interesting? But it was all within college. So maybe college men are more verbose. I don't know. But, but we, use, we, we use our words all the time. And according to Nielsen, women send, spend 818 minutes on average on the phone in a given month, and men about 640 minutes. So on the phone, women are talking more, and women are definitely sending more texts, about 716 texts per month compared to 555. That doesn't take into account teenage girls. We had a girl in Oakdale who sent 10,000 texts one month. 10,000 texts. And they didn't have a all-you-can-text-for-free plan. The mother about killed her. <laughs> yeah. We didn't see Desiree for a while. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, all the statistics, you know, for sure, they're, whether it's true or not. I know that there was this husband who was trying to relate this information to his wife once and he had heard it, he'd heard the th same statistic that Pastor Jeff and I have used and he says, you know, honey, women on average spend, use about 20,000 words a day and men only do 10,000 and the wife thought about it and she says, well, I know why that, that is, dear, is because women have to repeat everything we say. <laughs> and so stunned, she looked at him, or he looked at her and says, what? You know, words, whether you're more loquacious and verbose or more subdued in your verbal interchanges, our communication is exceptionally important. Um, it's significant in our day-to-day -day lives. And whether you have a, that immense vocabulary of, of 200,000 words or a limited vocabulary, they say about 16 to 20-year-olds have a vocabulary of about 20,000 words. 
It doesn't matter. It's really how you use your vocabulary that's important. Knowing what to say, knowing what not to say, is extremely important. Anyone ever have foot and mouth disease? <laughs> you know, knowing what to say is, is so important. It's, it's as important as knowing what not to say. You know, some, some, of, some of us, some of you in this room, have that thing where it's just the thought comes, and before you can even press the stop button, your mouth is open, and you're just saying it, right? And, and it's important to learn what to say and what not to say. Something else that's really important is knowing when to say what you're supposed to say. So there's things that we're supposed to say that really are important, but the timing is really, really, really important. For instance, if you have a suggestion on changing a recipe, don't tell your wife while she's cooking dinner because it might not taste so good when it comes onto the plate. If you have a suggestion about how I'm driving, <clears throat> don't tell me while I'm driving. You know, I'm saying it's a joke, but isn't that kind of funny? It's like, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody starts criticizing your driving. Husband's wife, I'm sure you've never done this, husband's. And you start driving worse. Knowing when to say things is really important. You know, is this spiritual? I, I believe it is because I'm talking about a principle, a spiritual principle, and it's the power of the spoken word. The words that we say are powerful, extremely powerful. And now with, with electronic, you know, we, letters, let, written letters are powerful, but now we have electronics. We have texting and, and Facebook, and the words that we use, the communication that we use is extremely important. And I don't think we're getting better at it as, at, as, a, as a culture. You know, I mean, there, there's a whole nether, I mean, it's not a new word, but it's a new phrase that is, I hear, I think, every day. And it's a simple phrase called Facebook drama. Have you, have you been hearing that word? Facebook drama. There's a whole nether communication happening on Facebook because people are saying things and, and, and put, posting things into cyberspace, and it's just drama. What we say, how we say it, when we say it, is so incredibly important. So you might say, well, you know, last week, Pastor, you said you were going to talk about marriage. Well, communication is the biggest part of marriage, how we communicate with our spouses. So I am talking about marriage, talking about communication. Communication will absolutely transform your marriage. Absolutely transform your marriage. And it maybe already did that. You may have started out with a... A, a difficult marriage, and if you've had good communication, your marriage has gotten better. You might be one who started out with a great relationship when you were first dating, but because of your communication styles, your marriage is so-so. Because the way you communicate, it will, will build up or it will destroy relationships. And I'm not just talking about with your, your spouse. I'm talking about with your children, with your parents. I'm talking about with your teachers, talking about at work. Communication is, is key to really life and how we say what we need to say, knowing when not to say it. H. Norman, right, I was going to bring the book down, but um, wrote a book. It says, Communication, Key to Your Marriage. Husbands, wives, would you agree? Communication. And, and I honestly don't know if on average men speak more than women because in, in my house, Matthew and I, we're really quiet. <laughs> you know, I mean, in our house, we, we speak, we, I think we definitely outnumber the women. So I, I, don't, I don't know if it's 
you know, on average, men speak less th than women or not, but I know that we're not communicating the way we need to be communicating with one another. And God wants to help us to understand the power of our, of our tongue, wants to understand the power in our communication styles. We've been talking about becoming disciples of Jesus. Remember, we're going to keep hearing these points so we understand it. A, a, a disciple of Jesus, Jesus called his disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so a disciple is one who is following Jesus. And in order to follow them, you have to know, you have to know who he is. So you're submitted to the lordship of Jesus. You know that he's the Lord. He's not just some rabbi. You're following the Lord, submitted to his leadership. And you're also being changed by Jesus. He says, I will make you a fisher of men. He will change us as we follow him. So as we're becoming disciples of Jesus, we need to be submitted to his lordship. And we need to be being changed by him. That means setting ourselves up to be changed by him. And so this morning, the question is, is are we being changed by Jesus in everything? We're acknowledging him that he's Lord, but have we surrendered our tongue to Him? Have you surrendered your words to Him? Have we allowed Him to become Lord of not just our lives, but even the things that we say? Is He changing us from the inside out? And so our, the, what, what we speak and what we say is being sanctified by Him, being changed to where we're saying the things that He would want us to say. Are we under the control of the Holy Spirit? And, and, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not always. You know, what a shock, huh? You know, I really want my, my vocabulary, and not, and not my vocabulary as much as the message that I'm saying, to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Because honestly, I don't, I don't think God cares as much about whether we say a naughty word as He does whether we're bringing life or death to somebody in our communication. In fact, I've seen some people who never cuss and they the vernacular they don't they don't speak in the vernacular they they have a, a a good solid vocabulary they don't use naughty words and yet they destroy people in their conversation you know god's god's not concerned about a, a, a naughty word as much as he is what are you doing with your tongue are you bringing life or bringing death now james chapter 3 starting in verse 8 brings us some, some discouraging news. James 3.8 says, No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. That's, that's, that's kind of discouraging. No man can tame the tongue. And some I say, well, I could have told you that. In fact, I tell my wife and kids that all the time. I can't help what I say. It's just who I am. You hear statements like that coming from people? It's just who I am. I fly off the handle and I just say things. Or our family just yells at each other. It's just who we are. We're just Italian. You know, we use words all day long, and our words really can bring life or death. Life or death, the Bible says, is in the power 
of the tongue. Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, there's an old saying that we, we grew up saying, and it was a lie, and we taught our kids this, and you were taught it by your parents, and their parents were taught it. I'm not even sure when it came, but it goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Lie, lie, lie. It's the opposite. Sticks and stones break my bones. I heal up and I don't even know that it happened in a year. But I'll carry the words that have been spoken to me, especially as a child, my whole life. It's the opposite. Our words carry more power than a stick or a stone. James chapter 3, 6, just before the passage we read a minute ago, says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. This tongue is getting a bad rap. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. How many times have you said something and just wanted to grab it back in the middle of the air and it was too late? This tongue is a world of evil. It just gets us into so much trouble. The video was great, wasn't it? I mean, it just, it, it, it brings to, to life the, the truth of the things that we've said in our conversations with our, our wives or our parents or our kids at work. And it's, it just seems like this tongue is unruly. At times, you go, why did I say that? No one? Right? Why did I can't believe I just, you know, we see it with others too. I, we, I can't believe you just said that. And how many times have you been in that? And if you're sitting somewhere, you kind of slink down in your seat. I can't believe you just said that. I even shrink when I see it on a movie. When they say something silly on a movie, I'm one of those people who get so into the movie that if they say something really embarrassing, I'm like, oh, I can't believe you just did that and said that. The tongue is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. And then it goes on and says, and man cannot tame the tongue. Church, our words are powerful. We need to be saved in our tongues. We need to be saved in our speech. And our words can bring life or they can cause death. Our words can bring healing or they can cause damage. Our words can build people up and they can tear them down. How we use our words are so important as Christians. And so the question today is, is God gaining control over our tongue? Is God gaining control in your life over your speech? And again, I'm not just talking about, about cussing. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the things that we say in the the, even the tone of voice that we use. Is God reigning and beginning to control more and more? And we have this, 
dilemma. We live in our lives and we get saved and we're, we're new creations, but we drift back and forth and allow ourselves to go back into the world and back into the flesh. And then we come over and we, and we find ourselves yielding to the spirit or yielding to the flesh and, and, and we go back and forth. But God is desiring us that we would draw closer to him one step closer, that we would continually be in that process of being sanctified because it isn't just a one-time deal, even though when you first come to Christ, it's done. You're saved. Hallelujah. Your life is changed. But then there's the process that He works in and through us, redeeming us and sanctifying us as we go. I don't look the same as I did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I am a work in progress. But I hope it's not one of these stalled construction projects that we see sometimes. You know, the condos across from the, from the Northwoods resorts that sat there with just, just, you know, for a couple years because they went bankrupt and all that. And they, it was just a stalled construction project. I don't want to be one of those stalled construction projects. I want to be letting God work in me each and every day, submitting to Him and being changed by Him. How about you? God gives us an example about, about how powerful the word is at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. How did God create everything? He spoke it into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let the waters come together. Let there be a firmament in the heavens. Let the earth yield forth the grass and the seed-bearing plants. He spoke it into being. There is power of creation in what we say. And there's also the power to destroy in what we say. This can get a little scary. It's like, well, well, well how far are you going, Pastor Rob? What are you talking about? I really do believe there's creation power in the tongue. I believe that you can create realities by the words you say. And right there, don't check out because some of you might go, what are you talking about? Are you talking about name it and claim it faith? No. I'm talking about when you speak something into somebody's life so often, you create a reality for them. You're dumb. You'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. You're a loser. You can create a reality that didn't exist until you spoke that into somebody's life and until they then get the healing that they need to get, which sometimes is 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years later until they realized that that was a false reality. It wasn't true. It was a lie that somebody spoke to them. They live in that reality their whole life. The power of the tongue has the power of creation. And we can create horrible futures. And we can create life by the words we use. We can encourage and say, you can do it. I'm proud of you. I love you. If you work hard, you can achieve almost anything. And not just, I'm not talking flattery, I'm talking about truth and encouraging words. We can create a whole nother reality in the words that we speak. Jesus taught us, he says, if you have faith, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea. There is power in the word, and it's not just a prayed word. It's a spoken word. It's something that changes when it comes out of your mouth and becomes powerful. And Jesus said, speak to the tree and say, be removed and cast into the sea, and it'll happen. There's something, and I don't understand the dynamic, but I know it's true. As we speak it, there's a, there's a release in that. 
There's a release that, that God can do something with. You've taken another step of faith and said, I'm going to speak it out loud and let everybody hear. Sometimes it's just us hearing it. We speak it and then we hear it and, we, it, it and it helps. But other times it's a release of faith that the Lord works within. He doesn't just teach us to think it or just to pray it, but sometimes he says, speak it out. Well, why should we proclaim the word of God? Why should we speak anything? Why should we even try if, if the tongue cannot be tamed? Because James, the, word, the Bible is true. And, and James says that the tongue... Man cannot tame the tongue. Well, that was the key. Man can't tame the tongue. You can't do this. You can't really watch what you're going to say all the time. You can't do that on your own, but the Spirit of God inside of you can transform your thinking, can transform the way we look at life and the things that we say, and He can make a difference. I know that I need that transformation in my life. I need the Spirit of God to overwhelm me and help me to get this tongue. And we know that the tongue is, is not on its own. We need, to, we need to get this mind following the heart which is lived in by Jesus Christ. And we need to get him submitted to the Lord. How's that going to happen? Matthew 12, 34. Let's go there. Is it warm to you? Or is it just me? If it's if it's warm, we can turn down the heater a little bit. I don't even know if it's on or open a door. It might just be me. I'm, I'm a little excited. I get excited about the Word of God and His challenge to me because He wants us to grow and become the light of the world. Matthew 12, 34. And I'm wrong. 24. No. Hold... Uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know why. I'm not even going to think. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, whatever's in our heart, it's going to begin to come out. It's just going to be, and we know it's true, the, the things that we're, we're hiding in our heart, if it's unforgiveness or anger, it's going to come out of our mouth. Whatever's in our heart is going to begin to come out of our mouth. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. That we know. We know this chapter. Well, we like starting in verse 22. Some of you memorize that. Many of you have a plaque in your house with Galatians 5.22 on it. But we're going to start at 19. We don't like this part. We don't like to talk about it and think about this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's a, that's a list. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to stop there before we go on to the good news, the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to stop there because, see, in this list you find some of these things like, well, that's, that's our words. Our words are included in this list. When we have outbursts of wrath or, or lewdness, you can have lewd behavior and you can have lewd speech. <clears throat> some of them dissensions, 
You know, when you have dissensions, you're murmuring and you're talking about things and you're causing a dissension in what's happening. These things are unfit. These things come from the flesh, not from the spirit. These are works of the flesh. But verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long suffering. It's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. As we're, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is living in and through us, we become kind. Our actions are full of goodness. We have patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. See, this is where we get a hold. We get a hold of our speech is because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And He empowers us to actually get a hold of this thing that just wants to ruin our lives and the things that we say. Go to Romans chapter 8. For those, starting in verse 5, for those living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. We're not in the flesh any longer. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, he lives in you. He sets you on a different place. And he says, you're not controlled by the flesh. You couldn't tame the tongue before, but you can now because you're in the spirit. And the spirit wants to live in and through you and get a hold of this thing. We have to be controlled by the spirit. We have to give room for the Holy Spirit. He wants to live in us and he wants to live through us. And we have a choice to yield to him or to take ownership of our life. And we do it every day. Even in the, in the offering this morning when he had that picture where the, the, the mercenaries, those would go out and, and slaughter those that weren't of Christ. They would baptize these mercenaries and they would keep their sword up in the air. And they, because they had to be baptized, the priest made them. And he says, everything but my sword, because I don't want my sword controlled by God. That's what they would say. I don't want my sword controlled by God. What, what is it in us that we're holding out of the water? What is it in us that we're holding out of the water today? I don't want this controlled by God. And sometimes we just hold it back. We just don't want, we don't want to give over that side of our lives to God. And he says, no, baptize all of me. We want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. We want to, we want to be in Him and Him in us and, and, and allow Him to work in and through us. We need to be able to hear His voice. One of the ways we can hear His voice is by reading the Word. We need to be in His Word. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. As His Word lives in us, it helps us to understand what He has for us. And we're, we begin to be cleansed. The Bible says that we're washed in the water through the Word of God. In Romans chapter 12, it says that we're transformed in our thinking. Our minds are transformed. We're renewing of our mind. We're transformed no longer conforming to the pattern of the world, 
Renew this mind. Renew this heart. Let's get the Word of God inside of us. And then as we do that, let's yield to the Spirit of God. Because you can actually read the Bible and not be yielding to the Spirit at all and have no room for Christ in your life. See, the Bible without yielding to Christ is, is words on a page that sometimes we, even as Christians we can use to bring damage to other people. We need to be yielded, not just in our actions of, of reading the Bible, but as we read the Bible, let the Bible read us. Yielding to the Spirit, God, speak to me. What would you have of me today? I yield everything to you, even as we sang in worship today. We surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. Have your way. Have your way in me, God. Let His Word live in and through us and Yield to Him as we're in the Word, as we're living our lives. And there's another thing that He wants us to do, and that's live in relationship with one another. And that's actually going to help us control how we speak. How, how is that? Because when you're in fellowship and you're growing with other Christians and they start hearing this speech and they see your actions, they're going to call you and they're going to they're say, you know, I, I want to encourage you that you're bringing death when you speak those words. You know, God didn't set it up that we were just Lone Ranger Christians. If, he, if, he didn't, if we didn't need each other, He would have just made Adam and even says it's good. Don't multiply. Don't be fruitful. But from the very beginning, He says, no, I'm going to make you live into families and communities and you're going to strengthen one another. I've got a plan and that's for us to live and encourage one another and confess to one another and be strengthened by one another because by ourselves, we can spiritualize bad behavior. Last night I told my wife she looked fat in those clothes because Ephesians says to speak the truth in love. <laughs> I'm going to spiritualize my bad behavior because the Bible says that. But you know, I want to tell you something. I said that is funny. It appalls me how many times I've seen somebody, a Christian, tear apart another Christian and say, but it's the truth. And the Bible says, speak the truth in love. So my question is, well, what do you love? You love being right? You love hearing your voice? Because if you love that person, you wouldn't have said that. Not the way you said it. Speak the truth in love. I just love to correct people, so I'm always telling them the truth. If I'm stepping on your toes this morning, good. Because we need to have our toes stepped on sometimes. Because God is drawing us to be closer like Him, and we're holding on to ourselves sometimes. Speak the truth in love. Well, what is love? Love is patient. Did you have to say it right then? Love is kind. Was that very kind? It's not jealous. You know, we say so many things to other people because we're just jealous of them. Envious, boastful. I'm, I'm hearing my speech. I'm hearing people's speech and going, why did they say that? It wasn't loving. They're, they were being proud or boastful. Love is not selfish, haughty, or rude. When you spoke that in love, was it any of those things? Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable or touchy does not hold grudges and will hardly notice when others do it wrong. It's never glad about injustice. It rejoices when the truth wins out. When you love someone, you're loyal to them no matter what the cost. You always believe in them. 
You always expect the best of them. You always stand your ground in defending them. Love never fails. We speak the truth, but we speak it in 1 Corinthians 13, love. And we find out, even if it's the truth, it will build up and bring encouragement and not tear down and destroy. Do we have control of our words? You know, some of us just need to stop making excuses and our tongues have to get saved, pure and simple. We need to get a glass of holy water and baptize our tongue because it's not redeemed. It's like we went into the water with our tongue sticking out. <laughs> we need to get our mouths, our, our, our tongues saved and, and, and it, the, our tongue follows our brain and our brain follows our heart and our heart is filled with wickedness unless we're filled with the Spirit of God and filled with His Word. Proverbs 18.21 is one of those verses for me that I read and I read and I read and I, and I interpret and I know and I go, you know, the, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. And I, truthfully, I go, huh? I mean, I think I know what it's trying to say, but those who love it will eat of its fruit. Let me read the contemporary Jewish Bible version of this. The tongue has power over life and death. Those who indulge it must eat its fruit. Those who indulge it must eat its fruit. It's just a truth. It's a truth. When you indulge your tongue for good or for bad, you're going to eat the fruit of it. Whatever your mouth says, you're going to eat the fruit of it in time. If it's negative, it's building down, you're going to reap that. You're going to eat the fruit of death and destruction. But if you're speaking encouragement and life with the tongue, you will eat the fruit of that. You will reap the fruit of the things that you say in your life. If you speak love and encouragement and truth, you will bring forth life. And you will reap the consequences of life and of love and encouragement. The tongue has power over life and death, and those who indulge it must eat its fruit. This morning we, we were praying, and I've been praying for this message that we would be challenged, encouraged, convicted, but not condemned. Some of you might have had a, no control over your tongue your whole life, and you're sitting in here going, I know what you're talking about, Pastor Rob, because I've destroyed my children. And all you can do is repent and let forgiveness come and choose to let God live inside of you today and trust God that He is merciful and He will redeem those things. You might have to go to the people you said things to. I'm going to try not to cry because then I won't be able to do this. If you, I really do try to watch my words. Shannon and I, we don't yell at each other when we fight. Notice I said we fight. We don't yell. We don't say derogatory things to one another. I try not to with my kids. I want to do this as an example because it's hard, but sometimes it's necessary. A few weeks ago, we went shooting down in the desert, brought all of our guns, and Matthew forgot to bring the earplugs. Hard to shoot shotguns without ear protection. And I was mad. And I wanted to make a point. And I called him stupid. came out of my mouth, and I can never bring it back. 
He's not stupid. I was trying to make a point that I was in the flesh. And it was wrong. Forgive me. You may have to do that. And it's okay. Then ask God, God, cleanse me, make me new. Let my tongue be baptized. Help me to get control of this little tiny muscle that causes so much damage in your marriage, with your children, with your parents, your friends in the community. Let's become people whose whole lives are submitted to the Lordship of Christ. We're being changed by Him. A people, let's become a people who bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Let us be not known for people who backbite and say negative things, but people who love one another and encourage one another with our words. Let's let the Spirit of God get a control of us and say, my, my tongue is going to speak life, life, life. Let's pray. God, we surrender everything. We don't hold anything out of the water today. And God, there are people in this room, including myself, all of us, we're all in this, we're all in this, that don't have control of the words we say at times. God, we submit our lives to you. We yield our lives to you and ask God, live in us. Let us be spirit-controlled and not flesh-controlled. That our words would be pleasing to you and they would bring life and peace and health and joy to others. We would not be those who would be in the flesh and cause dissensions or anger and hatred and outbursts of wrath. But instead, we would have love, kindness, and self-control upon this member of our body. And we can't do it on our own, God, so live in us. Help us to yield to you. Let us know your voice. God, let us be slow to speak, slow to become angry. Help us. And Lord, do not let anyone be condemned in this moment. But God, I do pray that you would bring conviction and healing. Healing to relationships. Healing to hearts. God, for those who are affected by the words that were spoken over them, I pray that you would begin to bring a healing. That they would find the truth, not the words that were spoken over them. We give our whole body to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.